I want you to turn in your Bibles, please, to 1 Peter chapter 1. And um, I'm sure that you yourselves will know how the series is developing. The series is Truth Unlimited. And um, that's the title of the message. You know, I, I've just been messing around up here because I've only now just got my I, iPad to work. Do you mind if I start again? Do you mind if I start again? Shall I start again? Yes? All in favor? Yes. As long as you get on with it, that's what you're saying. Okay, here we go. I was struggling to, I thought for a moment I wasn't going to open my iPad. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles, please, to 1 Peter chapter 1, going to read verses 23, uh, right the, 22 right the way to verse 24. I'm speaking on a series entitled The Spiritual Word. And what I mean by that is that we should not just take the Bible as mere words, Yes, God's revelation does come in word. It can be revealed in verbal form. It can be revealed in God's word, inscripturated, in that he has inspired men to write his, the word in such a way as it really does express accurately his heart, his mind, and his will. But having said that, it's not just words. Paul preaching at Thessalonica, said, what we, what we brought to you did not come in word only, but in demonstration of the power of the Spirit. To say it did not only come in the word, it meant it did come in the word, but there was more. The word carries power to bring God's life into you. So that when I say the spiritual word, I'm really talking about the marriage in heaven, which should never, ever be interfered with on the earth, the marriage between the word and the spirit. And so I want to encourage people who are word people to also be spirit-filled people, and people who are spirit people to also be filled with the word. All right, now the title today is Truth Unlimited. And what I want to get to is this. The ever-living, incorruptible seed of the word of God lives in you by faith. And that seed working in you has unlimited power to produce in you all the fruits of the life of God. By the word of God, you're saved. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the preaching of Christ. By the word of God, you are preserved. And by the word of God, you enter into and enjoy the life of the kingdom. So let's read verses 22 to 24. Having purified your souls... By your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, 
not of perishable seed, but imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Wow, so much here. In fact, I wrestled for much of yesterday with the idea that I might start at verse 1 and take you through the chapter. And maybe I'll find ways of sharing some of the rich thoughts that come out of the whole chapter in sequence, verse by verse. But I really want to go to this destination today, and I encourage you at home and this week, why don't you make 1 Peter chapter 1 your chapter for meditating on the Word of God and reflecting on it and having a look at it. This is just, just give, I'm just going to give you one little snippet and get on to my main message. Uh, 1 Peter 1 verse 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for the sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Wow, the riches that are there. Maybe you might want to take the whole of 1 Peter and look into that over the next few weeks. Now, coming to what I want to say today. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 has a, a little bit of an introduction to the main point that is coming. And I, I find here a parallel with uh, what the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to come to that in a moment. It's always reassuring when you take something that is written by one biblical author, don't forget that God used people to write the scriptures and their personality, their vocabulary, their cultural background, and their style comes out in the writing. And so you don't get, for example, absolutely verbatim writings, which are the same in each of the epistles, whether it's written by Paul or James or Peter, but you can find some overlaps and you can find some confirmations. And here is Peter's way of saying what Paul says, if you're making notes, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. So Peter says, 1 Peter 1, 22, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, having purified your souls. Now, what you need to know is that there is no way that anybody can purify themselves. The Apostle Peter, as you see in the verse, first couple of verses, is writing to believing Jews. 
And he writes to the believing Jews right across the ancient Jewish diaspora. And in his opening words, he is saying this, you who are believers in Christ are the inheritors of the promises of God's covenant with the Jewish nation. Powerful. I almost want to catch a plane to Israel and start preaching. And there's plenty of people who come from this covenantal heritage in London. We focus a lot on people who come from different religions. And maybe we should be showing more love to our Jewish friends and reminding them that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all Jewish hopes and aspirations from the Old Testament maturing and coming to fulfillment in Christ. And so this is what Peter is saying as the great apostle to the Jews. Paul was the great apostle to the Gentiles. And he reminds us as Gentiles, for the most part we're Gentiles, uh, that we are brought into the commonwealth of Israel. We come to enjoy the good things of God, but it's all by faith. Jew and Gentile, by faith in Christ, are united. And if God can bring that racial division together, the one that he established in a way, not for divisive purposes, but to touch the nations of the world, God chose Israel. And so that he could also reveal through Israel his love to all nations. And in Christ, God has brought Jew and Gentile together. And this is the mother of all racial distinctions. Every other racial distinction from that time to this can be united and healed in the name of Jesus Christ, while we accept the wonderful divergences of race and culture. Can I have a strong amen? amen? But as the apostle to the Jews, he knows that the purification that came was through the sacrifice of, very often blood sacrifices, the, the sacrifice of sin offerings and burnt offerings and on the Day of Atonement. And that's how they were purified. Purified as a result of a sacrifice. And so when Peter says, having purified your souls by faith, he's not saying that you have done anything to wash yourself, make yourself acceptable to God, but you have availed of the sacrifice of Christ who died on the cross shedding his blood, which brings cleansing and grace and forgiveness into your life. Having purified your souls by availing yourself of grace. Has that happened to you? Have you taken that real step in which you avail yourself of what's available in Christ? It doesn't come to you automatically. You have to rise up and believe God. It's, it's by faith. Every good thing is received by faith. It's not automatic. Jesus is available for all, but only those who take him and feed on him and put their trust in him will benefit from what he has achieved for all of us. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, Obedience to the truth. You see, now again, what we need to understand here is that the gospel obedience is in a totally different category 
to the legalistic obedience that was required in the Old Testament. And again, the answer is Jesus. He lived such a pure and holy life, fulfilling the law in all its details, so that now his righteousness is available to us that we might be clothed in the righteousness of Christ by faith. And again, it's by faith. What's the obedience of the gospel? What's gospel obedience? Why, it's turning from the old repentance, embracing the new in Christ. And then it goes on to say, for a sincere brotherly love, saved, purified by by your, uh, purified your soul through grace, by the obedience, through faith, to the truth of the Word of God, which is the gospel for a sincere brotherly love. And what this means is that God at work in you is not just a superficial thing in which you have a change of position only, but it's a change that works from the inside out. And it's this change, the life of God in us, that we want to cultivate more than anything else because it will bring fruit, fruit in your life that will bring blessing to you, refreshing to those around you. Now, uh, the passage I was talking about from Paul, it is for by grace you have been saved through faith. This not of yourselves, it's a gift of God so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created, recreated in Christ Jesus to do the good works that he prepared in advance for us to do. Saved by grace through faith for good works. Saved by grace through faith for a life of love. And the word love here is a very, very strong word. It's not just, uh, you know, I love tea, I love coffee, and I love mama. You know, I love my wife, I love my husband, and I love ice cream. Here, this love is the love which is deeply rooted in the nature and the character of God and everything that God has done in manifesting his life in this world. Praise God for that. And it's, it's a kind of comprehensive, if shorthand, description of what it means to live mature lives in Christ, to have your life shaped by the love of God, to have your life blessed by the Holy Spirit, to have your life in line with the Word of God. What does that look like? Why, it looks like love, because it is love. So when we strive for Christian maturity, we are looking at love being deeply received, to know that I am loved with an everlasting love, and everything on the inside of me that has been lacking in love is filled with the love of God. And from that place of love and assurance, I am able to focus on others because my needs are being met, my need for, for uh, acceptance and validation and affirmation, all that is met in Christ, and so I can go around with a sunbeam smile, and I mean that in every way you express yourself. With your masks on, nobody can see you smile. 
Maybe you should get a mask with a smile painted on, or maybe that won't work. But there is a way of letting the smile come to your eyes some way that you can communicate. But people pick it up very, very much when they're around somebody who laughs. Now, moving on. I want to say two things about faith. Because this opening chapter, when you read it, and if you choose to study it for yourself, you'll find it's, it's really about the word, it's really about faith, it's really about what God accomplishes through these things. The first thing, though, I want you to know that faith has content. We, this, our generation needs to understand this. Most people say, well, you know, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. What do you believe? I don't know, but I believe. <laughs> well, you've got to know what you believe. Very few people know what they believe. And that they, might, they might have some opinions about stuff and believe their own opinions, but they have no idea where those opinions come from, where they are based, what they are founded on. And that's one of the best challenges we can bring to people around when, we, when, they, when they make their assertions and say, I believe this and I think that. Say, well, uh, what leads you to do that? What, what's your evidence for your position? Why do you believe what you believe? What are you trusting in? And actually, they will be very critical of what we trust in, but they never examine or hardly ever examine what they're trusting in. And often you'll find what they're trusting in is, is human opinion. But the Bible here describes human opinion as grass. And different opinions like the flower on grass, which is here today and gone tomorrow. But he says the word of the Lord abides forever. The word of the Lord endures forever. Remember this. In our generation, when it seems that human opinion is all-powerful, and right now, as we move through different movements of opinions, we're in a transition of opinion in which certain opinions are being powerfully forced on us by society that will not just frown upon, but will ostracize, even cancel, let alone criticize those whose opinions are different from what we call now mainstream opinion. But all of this is human opinion. All human opinion is going to fall. And God's opinion, the only opinion worth reporting, God's opinion is going to be established as his glory fills the earth. God's word is powerful and mighty to the tearing down of strongholds and every idea that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. Give up. You've lost. Jesus Christ has already conquered. He already is Lord. He says, my words shall never pass away. And the words of Jesus will be the words that will discern and judge and bring us to the place of conviction before the, before the presence of God. Now you can give him praise. As you, as you can do. All right. Faith has content. Who is this? First of all, it's personal. It's in Christ. Faith in Christ. Faith in God. Don't think it's just putting your trust in things about God. It's putting your trust in God himself. But how do you get there? Well, it's through the word. It's faith in the word. It's not just believing. It's believing in what God says. Faith is put, believing and putting your trust in the word of God. And once, when, you get, once, when you get there, you find that this faith which has content is also based on truth that is 
unlimited. Now, my friends argue with me on this one. My friends who don't yet know Jesus. They say, you talk about free will. We ain't got free will. If we choose to reject your Jesus, he's going to send us to hell. I said, I don't think Jesus is going to do that. You'll be sending yourself there, actually, but that's another story. The point is this. Our generation has no idea. They think freedom means no boundaries. That's not true. That's not true. When you study all kinds of freedom, even freedom that we see in different cultures. Freedom without boundaries is not freedom at all. Freedom without boundaries is chaos and collapse. All right? So freedom uh, is within boundaries, but once we understand the boundaries between truth and error, everything that is in within the boundary of truth is unlimited. Unlimited resources. The unlimited power of the word of God. Now, Peter expresses that like this. He says, you have been born again of imperishable seed, incorruptible seed. So he's telling us that this seed is God's seed. And it's more specifically the living and abiding word of God. When you believe the word of God, you are trusting in something that will not perish, that will not fail, that will not collapse, and that will endure through all circumstances. It is true before coronavirus, it's true during coronavirus, and it will be true after coronavirus. Let's pause for a moment and just think about that day after coronavirus. Mahashal hal hashpaz. You know, any, any Old Testament scholars? Mahashal hal hashpaz. You know what that is? It's uh, as the name of Isaiah's child. Hasten the day and divide the spoil. In other words, we're looking forward to that victory to come. Amen and amen. Put your trust in God. It's, it's coming, but it's also going. Now, remember the agricultural society of the day, which was pre-industrial, was before the Industrial Revolution of the 1800s, before the technological revolution of the late 20th, 20th century. This was an agricultural society. And so the most powerful metaphor available in the culture of the day was the metaphor of a seed carrying the nature of that to which it belonged, with the capacity to reproduce that same nature in a new environment. So an apple seed has all the capacity to create and produce apples and apple trees. And so God's seed in you has the capacity to produce and reproduce relevant characteristics which belong to God. Is God's word eternal? You have eternal life. Is God's word powerful? You have power and authority through the word of God. If God's word is full of blessing, you walk in blessing because of the word of God. Is there healing in God's nature? Oh, yes, there is. There is healing in God's nature. I am the Lord who heals you. He doesn't say, this is what I do. He said, this is who I am. 
God is a healing God. And when his seed is in you, the healing virtue and authority of God himself penetrates your life and brings fruit of health in your life. I'm going to come back on this in case you think I'm saying what I'm not saying. How about wealth? God is wealthy by nature. God is wealth. You know that? Book of Revelation says, Worthy are you to receive riches and honor and glory and power. It all belongs to him. Wealth is a reflection of God's nature, his nature of fullness and abundance. Now pause there because I've used the word health and wealth within a 30-second time span, and I want you to know I am not preaching the health and wealth gospel right now. But I'm saying to you, God's blessings are an outflow of the gospel. The gospel is Jesus died to save you from your sins. That's the gospel. The blood of Jesus washes you. That's the gospel. The power of God for the salvation. We preach a gospel of salvation. But, but you know, when the word of God operates, he introduces us within the scope of his will and plan for your life, all the benefits of what God's nature means and can be carried into your life to bear fruit in your life. Amen and amen. Now, let's come into land. Here we go. What are you going to take away? What are you going to take home? Now, this is not fast food. And it's not leftovers. It's the meal. I want you to feast on. Talk about it in the cell meetings this week. Chat about it online. Chat about it in the, in the fellowship room, the Zoom room. All right. And I'm pretty sure you can see why I'm preaching like this today and last week. You can see that, can't you? I'm wanting to lift you out of anything that will cause you to lose your peace and confidence at this time. When I talk about health, of course I'm believing in physical healing, but you know, one of the most important aspects of health is your mental health. And you know, if you spend more time in the Word of God, not just have a sticking plaster on the deep issues of your soul, I'm not talking about that, but allow God's Word to penetrate on the deepest part of you, you will find that you are walking in peace. You'll be living in a positivity that is not just the positivity of the world. It is the real hope of the gospel. You will find yourself saying, do you know what? I don't know what's happened, what's going to happen, but I know that God holds everything in the hollow of his hand. I know he's chosen me. I know he has a plan for my life, and I might need, must needs go through suffering, and maybe there are things that we wish we could wave a magic wand at, but God is not like that. However, his word is at work, and the testing of our faith is so precious because it produces fruit and results that will endure. So three things. Number one, receive the seed. Number two, cultivate the seed. Number three, act on it. Act on the word. Let it be fruitful. Receive the seed very briefly. Of course, you believe it. You deeply, deeply believe it. But challenge yourself. Challenge your consciousness, your mind, and say, do you know what? Do I really believe that Jesus is alive? 
Do I really believe that there's a heaven and a hell? Do I really believe that the Bible is the word of God? Do I really believe that Jesus' death on the cross secures my salvation forever? Do I really believe these things? I'm not asking you to doubt. I'm asking you to say, yes, I do believe. Yes, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Amen. That's what I'm asking. So that you really become so deeply convicted about the truth of God's word. Once you've deeply received it, you can cultivate it. Cultivate it. I've done a little bit of cultivation. I'm glad time is out. For I wouldn't want to tell you my embarrassing experience of indoor plant propagation. I've shoved them closer and closer to where Amanda walks by every day, hoping that she will rescue them. She hasn't got the hint yet, but I'm calling on her now. Help me. She's greener fingers than I. But I know three things. I know that plants need water, warmth, and nutrition. How's that? I read that online. It's very good, isn't it? I'm such an expert, you see. I'm a Google spurt. All right. Here, water, warmth, and nutrition. Taking that into the spiritual realm, water of the spirit, make sure that your seed is watered by the spirit. Number two, warmth. It needs warmth in order to, to germinate and grow. What's the warmth here in the spiritual understanding? It's the warmth of your relationship with Jesus, the warmth of your relationship with one another, and your devotion to the things of God. We're wanting both heat and light. You know, we, we, we want people to be warm-hearted uh, as well as with their minds full of information and cold-hearted intellect is of no value, but warm-hearted, passionate minds set on fire with the truth of God's word. And then nutrition, why this is just a balanced diet, which you get from the word, the word of God, not just going to your favorite passages and portions, a little, little secret. I know somebody that spent 20 years studying Revelation. They still don't understand it, and they've studied nothing else. Actually, if you want to read the book of Revelation, you need to read the whole of the Bible, and then you have some chance. Don't just go to your favorite spots. Don't just go to your favorite stuff. We all have our favorite stuff, but we let a balanced diet, the full counsel of God, and we knew cause that nutrition that comes daily into the soil of our faith to cause that seed to grow, to sprout. And then, number three, the actions of faith. This is what brings the fruit, putting God's word into action. Even if it means you don't do it, you do the word, but sometimes doing the word means not doing something. Don't worry. How about that? Don't worry. Instead, believe God. Don't worry. Pray. Don't worry. Share your faith. Don't res respond to criticism negatively. Believe in God's affirmation. All of this is going to help you the next four weeks. We'll have a report on each and every one of you from the angel Gabriel by the end of the month. No, no, we won't. But God sees our hearts. Now, here it is. The ever-living, incorruptible seed of the word of God lives in you by faith. And that seed has unlimited power to work in you and produce all the fruits of the life of God in you. By the word, you were saved. By the word, you are preserved. And by the word, you enjoy the good fruits of the kingdom of God. Amen and amen.